0: I'm Jake Panacevich, and today I'm joined by Ryan Whitted, who just co-authored a new book with Matt Fitzgerald titled Pain and Performance, The Revolutionary New Way to Use Training as Treatment for Pain and Injury. And for starters, he talks to me about why he believes pain is not synonymous with being injured. It's also not evidence that your biomechanics are flawed or your body is imbalanced. And most importantly... Pain doesn't always mean that you have to see a doctor. In Pain and Performance, Ryan and Matt present a radically new way for athletes to understand and manage pain that exposes the shocking lack of evidence for modern medicine's approach to pain and injury management. Based on many years of research and a greater appreciation of the complexity of pain as a lived experience, Witted's revolutionary training-as-treatment method puts you in control of your pain experience as you build mental and physical resilience. This is a, a fun conversation and an interesting topic for episode number 49 of the Yoga With Jake podcast. Welcome to the podcast, where I interview world-renowned experts, top performers, and thought leaders in their field. And I'm so thrilled to bring to you my guest, Ryan Whitted, a dedicated, certified strength and conditioning specialist since 1996, who has a profound passion for his work, armed with expertise in athletic performance and injury prevention, along with certifications in gait analysis, mobility, and ongoing education in neuroimmunology. He ceaselessly enriches his knowledge through diverse courses. His profound grasp of of biomechanics, human performance, and pain neuroscience informs the foundation of the training-as-treatment approach at Paragon. In each session, Ryan infuses his extensive training experience to benefit clients for their athletic goals, pain, surgery concerns, or struggles with injuries. As the visionary founder of Paragon Athletics, he coaches clients to sidestep surgeries, recuperate from injuries, and transform pain, empowering them to joyfully return to sports and cherished activities. Reach out to him at ryan at paragonathletics.com to embark on your transformative fitness journey. Please enjoy my conversation with Ryan Whitted. Hey, good morning. How are you, Ryan? Very good. How about you? I'm very good. Thanks for uh, for jumping on and uh, working with my schedule. It's nice to see you. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks for hosting us. Awesome. I, uh, I'm nice to meet you. I, you know, thanks to uh, Matt for introducing me to you. I actually interviewed him about one of his older books a while ago. And, um, you know, he was very knowledgeable, really a great guy to talk to, a good conversationalist. And um, it was great timing here with uh, this new book you guys put forward. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? first because you're brand new to me for the most part yeah so yeah yeah. if you could tell me a little bit about you and uh what your background is uh before we get rolling yeah sure i'm a
1: uh, lifelong athlete um i'm a son of an athlete as well uh and i am a trainer of about 30 years so i've been a uh personal trainer for around 30 years so um yeah, it's been my passion to kind of help athletes uh, with performance, and then in the last, I don't know, more than a decade now, I've uh, worked with quite a few athletes that have really struggled to uh, work through injuries. Hmm. So uh, it's kind of what we've been known,
0: uh, become known to do. So uh, yeah, great. And do you work with um, all kinds of athletes? Or are you like Matt? Are you pretty focused in on on runners we work with all kinds of athletes
1: uh, so i was a sponsored athlete uh climber for uh, nearly 20 years okay. um so we work with quite a few climbers uh but we live in flagstaff and as you know flagstaff is kind of ground zero for um the ultra running community
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've, I've come to find out as I've, as I've done research and talked to Matt and folks like yourself, um, didn't realize there's a little hub down there. Yeah. That's cool. And his dream, are you part of his dream camp as well? Or or what else? We work with him a bit. Yes. Okay. Excellent. And you have your, do you have your own company?
1: Yeah. Paragon athletics is our our training facility. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I should have said that. (laughs)
0: <laughs> beautiful that's okay i just wanted to double check um yeah that, yeah awesome. our gym is paragon athletics okay and that's yeah. also in arizona then flagstaff yep yeah cool uh mad props with the climbing gosh i uh it is so much fun but it's also so hard so it is difficult. so hard <laughs> uh, yeah it is so so hard so it's one of those
1: sports that if you don't keep up a like a level of fitness, um, a certain level of fitness, um, it's it's just hard to like maintain. So there's just a certain level of strength and fitness that you have to have to have fun doing it. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's a good way to put it. That is for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a lot of things. That initial acclimation period when yep. you're brand new is is tough sometimes i feel but yeah um, absolutely yeah and so tell me about this book that that you've got out um why did you write it who is it for and and yeah we'll start there you know um the book is really
1: for anyone um we focus a lot on athletes The reason I wrote it is because, um, our model that we've used and we still use predominantly in the care community is just archaic. Um, the notions we use, everything is so out of date that it just needs to be, uh, sort of turned off and turned on again, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so I, we work with people and, um, that have really struggled in the past and past and past through the care community. Um, and then they eventually end up with us a lot of times. And, uh, our approach is just, um, much different, but funny enough, we're, we're trainers, but it's more evidence-based than most, uh, most of the therapy community. So, Hmm. yeah. So it, it became clear to me that we need to just, say this as loudly as we can um, to help as many people as
0: we can Mm -hmm. that we need to just start over yeah Mm. so uh, a reboot around our philosophy involving pain and training and you know what is the archaic maybe outdated belief that some of us are still operating under
1: yeah you know we, we kind of um, assumed that pain is one-to-one ratio of damage, you know, mm-hmm. and so a lot of times what people think when they're experiencing pain is, oh, something is damaged, uh, and that's why it hurts. Uh, and, you know, that's why I hurt, and that's just mm-hmm. not how pain works. Um, it's much trickier than that, so. but it's a much better story also. Um, I mean, how there are many more ways to change pain, um, than just fixing a joint or, you know, fixing, you know, meniscus or something like that. Um, Hmm. yeah, so, uh, it, it is kind of interesting. It's what's funny. Matt is one of those few folks. He was at a talk of mine from, uh, probably five years ago. Um, and the, the talk that I give um is the same as the title of the book painter performance mm-hmm. and he is one of the first folks that um uh he has enough um science background that he went oh i think i understand what you're saying um yeah and so he keyed in and uh that's that's how we ended up writing this book is because he he realized oh this is a big thing
0: mm-hmm yeah. Interesting. And so now, so what is, how is pain? What is pain? Yeah, maybe we can start there. Cause, <laughs> That's a
1: good question. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, I,
0: this has been actually, it's funny that, you know, you brought up, your books been, came onto my radar here, because throughout the past year, I've noticed as a health journalist, and then just talking to people on the podcast, there's been several very popular best-selling books and, uh, physical therapists and psychologists putting out books around pain. And it's mm. clearly, um, a topic that is, is hot right now. And so how would you define pain? So
1: pain as this, uh, defined from the international association of study of pain, um, I, I should, I should have this memorized <laughs> <laughs>
0: <It's okay. laughs>
1: is, uh, um, can be associated with damage, but it also has to do a lot with our, uh, um, emotional state mm-hmm. and otherwise. So, yeah. Um, so, and we don't know it's, it's sensation and perception. Um, mm-hmm. so there's some sensory input that, uh, is associated with pain experiences meaning, um, you know, uh, when you touch something hot, uh, uh, you have sensory input into the nervous system. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously that can contribute, but funny enough, oftentimes there's, uh, even with a large amount of physical damage, uh, there can be a lack of a pain experience. In fact, that was, uh, some of what led people to believe like uh um engel was a uh, i believe he was a uh, psychologist that really mm-hmm. pushed for the biopsychosocial model and um it was he was one of the ones that observed that a lot of people that had amputations and things like that during war had no physical uh no pain so it was when, during those bigger traumatic experiences that there was a lack of pain very often. And even with like an Achilles rupture um, or an ACL, very often those things, um, or even a biceps, I'm working with somebody right now that ruptured, uh, ruptured her biceps and she had zero pain. Um, so um, so it, it's a, it's a much looser association than what we think and what we've been taught. So between damage and your pain experience.
0: Interesting. Okay. And so you brought up this social aspect. Psychosocial. Psychological aspect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there when it comes to unpacking pain. That's beyond just something. There's a trauma to the body or an injury. Um, So yeah. When should... Or shouldn't someone seek out professional help, like go see a doctor then (laughs) for pain? Or is it not governed by pain? How do you mean? Like, um, yeah, so I guess sometimes it's obvious that, you know, we're injured, even if the person isn't experiencing an extreme amount of pain. And we know perhaps we'll go see a doctor if we we experience like a deep wound or uh, you brought up some really extreme cases where folks weren't necessarily in pain, but they were amp- amputees or yeah. bicep tears. But where is the line? I guess those are. Line. Yeah, exactly. Where someone might go seek out more help for their pain. Like if they don't feel necessarily that it is pain, but they're clearly experiencing an, an injury or trauma to the body, you know, those seems like obvious cases, but when is it? Where's the line? Like where should someone and how does someone or should you see a doctor? Is there a different other treatment um avenues that folks should be considering when they they look at pain or injury?
1: You know, if you have if you have a concern that you have a medical issue, sure, you should always go see a doc. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, but um but Sadly, there is very little pain education that accompanies therapists. Um, so, uh, I don't know if this is still true, but I know up to about two years ago, um, there was only about 1.5 hours of uh, pain education in the physical therapy program. Um, so, uh, it's very little. So, that is the sad part is people most often go to see somebody because something hurts. Mm-hmm. Um and our medical community is not very educated um, in pain science, uh, so which is confounding. Uh, so um, And you know, honestly, you can we, we've kind of set our system up um, to make it very difficult for people to uh, succeed with their pain experiences. and we we've correlated damage um, with pain. And so, um, some examples are meniscus, like it's a classic example or like a labral tear in the hip. Um, so now we know, um, that a large majority of people have labral tears or meniscal tears and are asymptomatic, um, more than half. So in my mind, that is not an abnormality. That is a a more normal thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, Uh, but if your knee hurts or if your hip hurts and you can't figure out why, then they do images, then they find these abnormalities. Um, and they think that explains why your hip hurts. Does that make sense? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, but it doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, and there, there are cases, you know, in the case of like, avascular necrosis of the hip, you know, things like that. Um, so where, when people need hip replacements and things like that, but honestly, even then sometimes it's a little um, tricky. So cause some people, they like, I, I worked with a lady that um, broke her hip because of uh, osteoporosis. So her femoral neck broke um, walking with some friends. This is a scary story, but this is a rare, rare occasion, but her hip did not hurt. So, um, so it's just, it's fuzzy if that makes sense.
0: It does. It does. And it, I guess it makes sense too. So you brought up, you know, one of the descriptions I saw in the book that, uh, you know, pain isn't necessarily something off with your, you know, biomechanics or an imbalance somewhere. Right. Or so then if it's not that, like, so, Could, but is that part of the equation or is, or why isn't it? (laughs) Um, you know, most of those, most of those notions of imbalances,
1: um, and asymmetries Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things are carryovers from like literally modernity from the Dr. Kellogg era of, uh, care. So, and, and it's just been, uh, carried on by, uh. The fallacy of tradition so like there's all kinds of musculoskeletal diagnostic tests um, uh, it mentions this in the book um, i think for the shoulder there's over 200 diagnostic tests um, and one of them actually tests a specific thing so the rest of them are just see testing a range and seeing if it hurts and if it hurts uh, but it's not you're not testing anything specific so mm-hmm. there's all sorts of other diagnosis diagnosis I should say uh in quotations um yeah. that really haven't stood up uh either like with um gleneral humoral rhythm is one of them for the shoulder mm-hmm. that you know you're supposed to like you're supposed to be a specific way your shoulder moves, but we know that we all are kind of a little bit different like we even even like um on a, on a single vertebral body in the spine, you can have a difference on one facet can be tipped and one facet can be straight. Like There's just differences in our bodies. Mm-hmm. So, even in our own bodies, um, much less person to person. So, um, huh. we just made these random, you know, uh, <laughs> ideas, <laughs> ideas oh, about wow. what per- perfect is. Mm-hmm. So, like foot type even, you know, like how a foot should look and uh, um, how it should work and so it's just way more loose than what we thought so and you know you might have like um so when you say is it contributing at all mm-hmm. to pain experience um it's not causal uh that's that's a something to be clear about like um so that's not your imbalances aren't causing pain um But doing work in an area can help with pain. So, but it's not necessarily
0: because you're fixing the imbalance. That makes sense. So, it's not that you're fixing the imbalance, but you're maybe working with the imbalance in relationship with it. You're, uh, it's probably less specific than
1: that, even to to be honest. Um, Yeah. So, um, we don't really understand, uh, why exercise helps as much as it helps, but it's, it's what, it's how we recovered from injury. Um, I mean, in human history, you know, is you have been injured, you get hurt, and then you start using that part again, and it tends to feel better, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um, and there are just many things um, between like your uh efficacy that's uh enhanced when you recover, your psychological recovery. Um so you something that becomes, you know, you become afraid of that thing because uh it caused pain. Mm-hmm. So pushing back into it psychologically helps you recover. Uh and then also it's funny because a lot of people associate rest with healing. Right. Um but healing comes with use. Like it's how
0: we remodel tissue. Huh. Right. Yeah. So this old school, like rest, elevate, and ice, or what it was, I forget what the yeah, acronym yeah. is. Rice. Yeah. yeah. Rice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, what's that? So yeah. it's rest, elevate something. and Yeah. Compression. Compression.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that model is not necessarily. Oh gosh, from wrestling, I re- felt like half of my season was that: put my ankle up, put my knee up, put my, sh- you know. So yeah. So is this kind of where the premise of like training to to help treat pain comes from? Like, it's not necessarily this resting and icing and elevating compression. This old school model is is not the most effective when it comes to pain and and so is that where that premise comes from of this you know training as a as a treatment for pain
1: right so returning to uh use as early as possible is very often the most optimal way so uh with an ankle um it it, uh, uh yeah uh it's that that actually has research behind it even that as soon as you can start using your ankle again, you really should. So, hmm. um, yeah. And you know, that obviously like if, um, if you have a really traumatic injury, then sure, give it a few days of rest. Um, but not, uh, that's not what's going to help it recover. Ultimately, what's going to help hmm. it recover is be- being an ankle like it's supposed to be, you know, as soon as it can.
0: Yeah. Do we know why that is? Is that from, like is that blood flow to that area is it uh you know,
1: why that's the best way to recover
0: yeah yeah is, do we know like what's going on there like is it the mechanism of like blood flow is it the tissues and muscles kind of re-establishing uh tissues yeah, um, yeah
1: your tissues recovering uh has a lot to do with it your receptors, like um, a lot of times, ankles can become very unstable um, after uh, a sprain. Mm-hmm. So, um, the things that kind of help you know where your joint is, the proprioceptions uh, or proprioceptors uh, recover uh, that way, also. So, mm-hmm. um, there are many factors. So, and use does help with inflammation. So, it'll help move the inflammation out. Yeah,
0: that's interesting, and. You know, that, so then where, how does one figure out what that line is? If someone's, I don't want to say pain tolerance, but maybe that's what it is. You know, like it's kind of hard to gauge. Do you work yep. with someone, you know, it sounds like this, uh, unfortunately we're still like, again, operating under a little bit of an outdated belief for a lot of folks, right? Yep. Um, so if one is trying to recover from an injury and if movement does help and getting back to uh, training Mm -hmm. gradually does help in recovery, you know, where, how does one sort of walk that fine line skillfully? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, it's not,
1: um, it's not an exact thing. So, because we're all a little bit different, um, Mm -hmm. sure there's science. That's what I, always tell people that there's science to what we're doing but it's more like science to cookery than it is to science like mathematics Mm -hmm. so uh you know it's not just this plus this equals that it's more like do you like uh more salt than somebody else Mm -hmm. in your in your recipe you know um and it's a matter of just like figuring out each person's recipe and a lot of times like it's you each of us has to figure that out a little bit, you know?
0: So it's, it's, it it takes some trial and error. So Mm -hmm. it's individualized and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, interesting. Okay. And, and I know you've, there's so one thing I also saw that was in the description of the book is how one can develop a mental and physical resilience over time. Is that part mm-hmm. of that process then of kind of navigating that and building up? So it, it, is that how you would define resilience in this case or, or how does one build resilience? Sure. Yeah. If you, if you go through this
1: process, you know, enough times um, then you start to build confidence. Like, Oh, I know how to, I know how to go through this. Mm-hmm. Um, um, sometimes you might have to lean on somebody like me or uh, there are, you know, therapists out there that are kind of taking on this uh, way of treating people also. Um, mm-hmm. But finding somebody that can just kind of coach you through the process is really helpful. Um, yeah, but it, for the most part, we can kind of intuit uh, what we should do, you know, like how much load something will tolerate. Um, and how much use it will tolerate, uh, you you sort of get a gauge for that as as you're healing. So, and pain isn't always like. Um, sometimes things will heal like very often. An ankle can be very painful, and then, um, and then start to feel quite a lot better, pretty soon. Um, but you know that that tissue is still healing. And then other times the tissue can heal all the way, but your pain can remain. So um, it's interesting. I had somebody I was working with last week. um, who He's a climber and injured his shoulder, um, I think, about six months ago. So uh, it wasn't uh, a very acute injury. He didn't have any swelling or bruising or anything like that. Um, He just had a painful shoulder. So, he had a similar question and he said, is this okay for my shoulder? It hurts a little bit. Mm -hmm. And my reply to him was, you know, if we're helping the tissue heal by using it, that's beneficial. And if we're helping your nervous system calm calm down, meaning uh, the pain uh, reduce um, with use, then -hmm. that's helpful. So whichever, um, thing we're doing, or if we're doing both, uh, it's helpful. Does that make sense
0: at all? Yeah. Yeah, it does. I, um, you know, when you were talking about biomechanics and, uh, you know, and imbalance how they don't necessarily contribute to pain and we've, you know, I was trying to think because. I, I teach movement, you know, I teach yoga and then, no, there's a lot, especially when you're working with someone with major discrepancies. Um, I don't, I can see what you're saying. And I, I do believe that, you know, you could potentially like correct some of these quote unquote misalignments, whether they are in fact that, but there is some benefit of like where is the boundary or the landmarks for f- for folks like physical landmarks, or is it so individualized you can't really put a, a blueprint where you're performing a movement and you you know you obviously don't want your knee being going one way and your foot the other, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is a container for alignment and mechanics, but that's you're saying that it's not necessarily contributing to to pain, but Again, I'd trying to my my yoga mind, my yoga teacher mind is like, and you know, there is there is some container and it's worth trying to uh bring your body into alignment, even though for function. For function. Okay. And and how do you how do you mean by that? I was wondering if you could help me deal yeah, with these I mental know. gymnastics. <laughs> I
1: mental I uh yeah uh movement teachers um struggle with a lot of this yeah, um,
0: yeah
1: yeah so and you know i i came from that place so i i became super obsessed with biomechanics um uh-huh. early on in my career uh so because i thought that you know that was how to help people um mm-hmm. and so i i actually know quite a lot about biomechanics um but uh so for function um, yes, like as a climber, for me to have full range um, of my shoulders mm-hmm. and strength in that range is important. Um, but as far as its relationship to pain experience, mm-hmm. it is much less important than what you would think. So it's fascinating.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> it's good for me to so. rewire my thoughts around this. And you're not the first uh-huh. one who's brought this up. And and still uh-huh. I um, you know, I struggle with it for some reason. Like, is there still mm-hmm. like a container though? Like, is there at least a limit, like a ceiling to? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So
1: um pain is always changeable. So in, mm-hmm. you know, um even with in the most extreme cases, like people that have a leg length discrepancy that's um, you know. Centimeters, uh, which is you know, like quite a lot. Um, even those people can change their pain. Um, you know, through sometimes they'll need help, uh, but oftentimes it uh, they can have a pain-free difference. Hmm. So um yeah, but we we are as a movement culture, it's built into the culture. You know that if you have an asymmetry, that's that's a problem. So yeah, uh, well, but you know we we are asymmetrical by nature. Like yes. we have. Our our largest organ outside of the dermis is the liver, and it's on one side.
0: Um, so, uh, yeah, we we just have differences. Yeah, that no, that does actually help me because everyone's got asymmetry, and there's never not asymmetrical. Like you can mm-hmm. work to, for balance, but it's never really balanced. I think mm-hmm. that actually does help my brain.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it clicked differently when you said that, and. Is it more so like working within the bounds of your own personal asymmetries, or is it not yeah, an- that's kind of it, okay. okay, yeah, so yeah, and you know honestly, um
1: you can have differences hip to hip so you can have um a femoral neck angle on your right hip that's different on your left hip,
0: so mm-hmm.
1: if you're one of those people that you know you try to get into um pigeon. And you're like, for some reason, this hip just won't do this. It it might be a bony difference. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I agree with that. Um, And so, um, and that's fine because you adapt around those things, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, we all do. So that's our gift is that we, we can adapt around those differences. So, yeah. And it, um, it's interesting. So like corrective, uh, exercises you know and things of that nature mm-hmm. not really correcting anything so then that can the, the notion uh of correction can be a little nocebic meaning it can it can suggest pathology to somebody uh and they can take on symptoms just out of suggesting uh the need for fixing
0: that makes sense yeah and how it's funny because languaging really does matter and w- when you're working with someone, how would you then articulate that if it's not a correction? Is it like, Hey, you're, you know, we're just working within the bounds of your specific blueprint and Mm -hmm. just doing some renovations around muscles, or how would you, how would you explain it? Cause like, rather than correction, you know, what is the right verbiage when it's not exactly it's not a correction it's uh it's a (laughs) what yeah
1: you know it's sort of an ecological approach to movement meaning Hmm. we all have these differences um and uh sort of embracing those differences and knowing you know that um that is our gift is our ability to adapt around those things so reframing it all together you know uh like, the 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 old model of correcting imbalances um, makes it seem like, you know, we're just these simple little machines. Right. Uh, but we are much more magnificent than that.
0: Yeah, there's not... I always really cringed at the term in yoga training when it was like, this is a universal principle. I was like, uh, is it? Like, I could, <laughs> you know, I could point to like five clients yeah. right now where this doesn't... Yeah. <laughs> I would never have them do this, you know? And so... Mm-hmm. I see this now. Okay. I, that actually really, really helped me at least personally to good understand that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, all right. Awesome. And so how much does our mental health contribute to this and how does our mental health affect this whole process of, of, you know, pain and and performance? Uh, it's a huge part of
1: it. it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a huge part of it. So, um, and it's funny because we all handle those things a little differently, you know? So I have, uh, I have a client right now that she is an ultra runner and she's a really gifted runner. And, uh, but she is, she also happens to have uh RA um, and her stress levels tend to contribute pretty, I mean, significantly to, Pain experiences. So, but her knowing that is very helpful um, because she doesn't think, you know, oh, this is just damage in my joints that's causing all my pain. So she realizes, oh, I, it's, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and I am a little stressed out because of all my family stuff. And uh, Mm so her knowing, being able to zoom out and see that helps her kind of uh, um, stay grounded Mm. and stay, it's comforting, you know? So, but I think it's a little bit individualized as, as always. So it depends. One of those frustrating (laughs) answers. Um, So, uh, but I think all of us realizing that that um, is a big contributor is helpful. Mm -hmm. So like I actually, uh, at the beginning of COVID, um, was uh because our our, the nature of our business we're a gym uh so we closed down and uh and then i ended up warming up one morning uh on a climb my shoulder uh started hurting pretty bad Uh, bad enough that it actually kept me up for quite a while uh but i knew okay these allostatic contributors these life stressors definitely are bringing a good amount of this to the table you know and so it actually helped me to sort of stay calm about it um, and work through it work with it so and my training was never really affected to be honest funny enough my shoulder liked to do a lot of work uh, more than anything so it took a little tinkering for me to figure that out um, and it was a little scary uh, Mm because that's the nature of it um, but the thing that it liked most was, uh, working, uh, like heavy kettlebell presses and things like that, huh. which was interesting. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. It's so individualized. And usually I feel at least when you're talking about athletes and, and I, I would argue most folks, um, because of the nature of movement and exercise, how it is a benefit for everyone in doing that. I always Mm -hmm. say it's almost never not the answer is almost never do nothing. I feel maybe there's some, (laughs) there's, there is some benefit and there is instances where absolutely right. Definitely rest, but I feel like it's, it's almost never like do nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Rest every once in a while. Um, like if you have an acute injury, um, which is not the same thing as pain uh, pain experience um mm-hmm. but if you have actually you know injured a tissue letting a that tissue heal for yeah like a okay. tear um then uh letting that tissue uh have a couple days of healing um and uh you just letting it rest for a second is helpful mm-hmm. but honestly in most cases um reintroducing movement as soon as possible is the valuable thing so Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know uh bony injuries they're they're one of the exceptions because uh uh bone has to heal so
0: so um, like 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 what is that like a break in the bone yeah like if you You, had a stress
1: stress fracture or something Mm -hmm. like that um then that before you can reintroduce load uh that bone has to heal up so yeah Mm -hmm. but with tendons and muscle cartilage, those kinds of things, use is uh the medicine. Yeah. And how it's how we recover.
0: Yeah. It's I I could see it's coming, it's clicking for me more here. I as I'm glad I'm talking to you about this. And so they what should they not should someone not use pain to govern how much more movement after they experience injury? Like if you're like, okay, I know that getting back up and putting it to use again is going to help it actually heal. How slow should someone approach that? Again, it's so individualized. I know, I know, but should the, I always say too, like you're not necessarily chasing sensation because people's pain sensation is so Mm -hmm. different, right? And so how should you govern that process when you're recovering from an, an injury or um, if you know that movement is going to help, how mm-hmm. slow should someone, yeah, I know it depends on the injury in the person, but is there any sort of marker that, um, someone could like, could look for as they try to, um, eliminate pain or recover from injury?
1: You know, uh, this is sort of a rule of thumb that I usually use with people is, uh, I'll tell them, Hey, we're trying to sweet talk your nervous system. Uh, Uh So, uh, we're not going to bully your nervous system. So think of it as like going gently moving, you know, and listening, um, but not being fearful, being respectful, but not fearful of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Knowing (laughs) that it's a, the dynamic process that you're going to go through and you might have one day, um, when your pain is worse, but that doesn't mean necessarily that you did more damage. I think a lot of people always think, oh, I've injured it more. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it's just not how it works. So you might've just done a little too much. Um, and you just need to, uh, scale it back, can scale it back, continue the use. And then ideally, you know, everything will like equal out. So the tissue will like heal and the pain will, um, reduce and then everything will just balance out back again. But sometimes pain can stay around. even after the hip tissues heal. So, mm-hmm. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes the tissue can be very damaged and that you can have no pain there. So, yeah. So it's just a like a, uh, um, a very dynamic process.
0: So, yeah. 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 And sometimes, right. You experience pain and there is no damage at all. Right. That psychological right. aspect. Um, yep. I like grit my teeth and clench my jaw, like my neck. When I wake up with a bad neck, I'm always like, oh, uh, maybe I need to talk to somebody. think it's more psychological (laughs) that's causing the but Uh yeah and then yeah um yeah it's interesting so someone who's like a runner and is an athlete who does let's say marathons and then and a runner to and they sprain an ankle you know it might mean like starting with a walk to then moving forward to a light jog and if you feel a setback when you enter light jogging, so you go slower then, and and ramp up as you're mm-hmm. as you're ready. And don't let like the sensation of pain necessarily discourage you or for to not do that act- activity, to not get back out there. But maybe just yep. scale it back. Yeah.
1: Avoiding something, being fearful and avoidant of something Mm -hmm. can reinforce your nervous system's, uh, response to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you can make yourself sort of, uh, put your nervous system on high alert for that particular activity, um, by avoiding it all the time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, So, um, knowing that, you know, that you're not causing damage is really important and knowing that, um, you, you do have to kind of sweet talk the process, you know,
0: I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that. Cause it does kind of contribute to the psychological aspect as well. If you're like, especially someone who's an athlete, often it's like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's go, you know? (laughs) It's like yeah, zero totally. to one hundred, you know. Yeah. I imagine that's yeah. gotta be pretty tough in your world. I know for myself, even like I gotta learn mm-hmm. how to sweet talk. You know, yeah. <laughs> I will just yeah. let's go and do a hit run and do, right. build, you know. So yeah, that's a fine yeah. line. It, it probably does have help to have like a coach, but yep, um, yeah, I feel like it it's- is a psychological part of it.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's. I mean, we we like to delineate, you know, like psychology from physiology, and all, those things are all. They're, you know, at some point, I mean, they're
0: the same thing. Yes. <laughs> no? Yeah. 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 Um, it's so interesting, and <clears throat> you know, you know, what other treatments do people waste their time and money on that don't work? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um,
1: so uh i had somebody ask me about acupuncture the other day and these things are so people get so sensitive tribal uh, yeah 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 um you know it's like talking about their religion or something um mm-hmm. and honestly i am more interested in like people doing better than disproving or anything. Uh, um, So I just like to focus on the things that work and the things that have the most evidence behind them. And that, that that happens to be exercise, anything that creates dependence um, you know um, that's the stuff that I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's where you, your time is best spent.
0: Yeah. Right. Uh, Dependence meaning for folks, just so I make sure I have it right. Like um, so like in a massage, I always, Massage is great for certain things if it helps. Perfect. Yeah. But if the clinician's like you need to come back even when your pain's gone like and keep coming back and lay on the table do nothing and I manipulate something on your body. Yeah. Even after you got from point A to point B, I was in knee pain, now I'm not, but keep coming, oh. you know, is that what you mean by that? Yes. Uh and then also
1: um if if it's being told to that client that there's tissue changes and that's why it's feeling better. That's not what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, it's, it's soothing and it feels good, uh, but you're not changing anything. So even with, and so it reinforces that structural mindset of, you know, that, that's why I'm in pain because something was out of place or there was an adhesion or a trigger point. Um, But those none of those things are true. So,
0: what is true then? Is it just that it feels nice? And it feels good. Yep, pretty okay. much, yeah, okay. <laughs> just yeah. <double-check>. You have,
1: <laughs> yeah, you have a neuro, neurophysiological response um, where you kind of downregulate your system. Mm-hmm. So, but it tends not to be lasting. That's the other thing. Is um, and that's not my opinion. That is what uh, evidence has shown. Right. So, uh, yeah. Um, But I know a lot of people, you know, love getting massages and uh, things of that sort, and I'm fine with that. But if you think that's going to fix something in you, that's you're coming at this from the wrong side. So Um, what I tell folks um, about those uh, adjunctive modalities um, is uh, treat them like condiments. mm -hmm. So, yeah, treat it like ketchup and mustard,
0: but it is not a meal you are never going to get full on that. It's interesting. And it's the exercise component that really is the keystone habit, Mm -hmm. the keystone behavior that is Mm -hmm. then. And could exercise look like aerobic, anaerobic? Could it be a blend or just exercise like getting your heart rate up? Or just, again, it's Mm -hmm. so individualized, you know, is that, that's probably the answer I'm guessing, right? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a bit. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think strength training um, is underutilized. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So there's all kinds of um, benefits to to strength training, you know, where you you have these uh, endogenous analgesic effects um, that your own system can cause Uh, something to feel better just through your own, you know, you make opioids in your system. Right. So, um, so you can do that with, uh, aerobic training. You can do that through, uh, strength training, strength training has so many other benefits to it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the only things that, you know, uh, has been shown for all cause mortality, um, to reduce, uh, and all cause dementia. So, um, (laughs) yeah, including Alzheimer's. So it's just, uh, not as appreciated as maybe
0: it should be. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. I mean, it's tough to push it some is. heavy weights around and yeah, wouldn't you say though, I would, I say this, I'm guilty of this. And then this is not me trying to fear monger clients, but I will just let them know, like we finally, you know, we're feeling good and we're moving. We're out of that fear cycle. Like I've got them yep. moving. However, yep. you know, they want to go back to liquid. it's like, yes, the benefit is way greater when you start to load yeah. that yeah. part. Right. However, also the benefit and the peril could go up as well. If you do something, go too fast, go too fast or yeah. Do the movement incorrectly. You know, I just like to forewarn them that yeah, yeah do it because the benefit is just so great. And mm-hmm. just make sure you're like, take your time, make sure you're doing it in a way that's, um, that feels good for you. That, that's not gonna, that doesn't hurt, <laughs> hurt, yeah. hurt quote unquote again, but yeah. like, just make sure that we've got the right form. Cause I just feel the benefit is so great with weight training and Mm -hmm. if you do something wildly inappropriate for what you're ready for, then the Mm -hmm. potential to hurt yourself is also greater, but you just got to take your, how would you approach that? Or is that even the right way to think about that?
1: A little bit, the wildly inappropriate part, (laughs) that that was the part that uh, stood out. So the rest of it, um, mm-hmm. I I'm not that ticky about form to be honest. Uh, so interesting. So I think it rarely matters. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, if, if there is a very specific thing that you're trying to do, um, uh, strength goal,
0: then mm-hmm.
1: yes, that that's when it might matter, but maybe not so much to the injury or pain. Um, and more to like your function, how well, you know, if like a squat is your thing, then, um, there are certain little factors that might help you squat heavier. But I think the main thing, um, with is, uh, going into it too quickly, like loading up too quickly.
0: So, but not Mm -hmm. necessarily the, um, form. Yeah. You know, Matt's brought this up with running and he did point to evidence that, you know, it, 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 everyone's running form actually is their Individual. own. Yeah. And it's fascinating. I'm coming around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You know, it is hard. I don't know why it's such a block, but like, yeah. I, I, it's funny. I don't know if you experienced this with folks, but it, it mm-hmm. does help talking about it. And it does really help like between yourself and that, like a, I'm coming around to this um a little bit more.
1: <laughs> yeah, if you look at um the ecological approach to training. Um it, look at any of that literature. Um mm-hmm. uh that will help. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of heavy on philosophy. Um and uh but it's it's super good. So mm-hmm. really interesting stuff. So yeah. And you realize like the reason we have all of those ranges available to us is because we can do all of those things. You know, like people will say to me, uh, am I cheating by doing this? And I'm like, no, you're just a really good mover. Like you found a way, you know, (laughs) um, if, if we're trying to exercise a very specific range and they found a way, then I will provide a constraint that requires them to move in that range that I want them to, um, ah, yeah. But not because of like because I think they're going to injure something or anything. It's because we're trying to specifically work something. Um,
0: mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. makes sense. Yes. Yeah. That that actually does help. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Some of the chapter titles I have to dive in deeper because, it, <laughs> but so. Everything matters is kind of what we've already unpacked here, right? It's that social, psycho, physical model. And so the diagnosis trap, Mm -hmm. what is that? What is that about? Is that something we had already kind of comes back a little
1: bit? Yeah, at the very beginning. So, um, so, because we kind of started off um, our care system associating uh, damage with pain, uh, mm-hmm. we, we started from a false premise. So, uh, and, and there's something called a spurious correlation. You know what a spurious, have you ever heard of this term? I don't believe so. Um, so, uh, spurious correlation is something like um, correlation does not equate to causation. Mm -hmm. so uh there there's actually a fun little website you can go to and look up spurious correlations and some of them are really entertaining but uh so we looked at uh it's like if you look at ice cream sales and gun violence and you graph it it they the graph they correlate really well and so you're like oh well (laughs) we should probably stop selling ice cream Uh, (laughs) so um but it's a spurious correlation so uh Um, and we have done the same thing with, uh, like meniscus and labral tears and things like that. So Mm -hmm. we, we thought, oh, there's gotta be something in there that's damaged that's causing this pain, but that's just not how it works. So we associated, um, those changes with, uh, um, a pain experience, but we all, almost all of us have those pain, those, uh, changes. So, um, yeah. And, and, you know, we think of them as damage, but then when you like, if we're, we're much more like a plant in that way, like mm-hmm. if you looked at a tree that had grown according to the wind and how the wind blows in that area, you wouldn't look at that tree and go, Oh, it's effed up. That tree is messed <laughs> up. <laughs> it's just changed with its environment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how our tissues do. So, uh, they change according to demand. So even there was a study, um, that I looked at not too long ago where I thought it just blew my mind. Um, it was, I forget the data set, but it was, uh, a solid set of, of uh, female volleyball players with an average age of 18 and 62% of them had degenerative disc changes, uh, um, and with an average age of 18. So if any of those girls had experienced back pain, uh, that didn't resolve, uh, and then went to see somebody, uh, and they did images of their back, then they would say, oh, this is why your back hurts. Um, does that make sense? And that's the diagnos- mm-hmm. diagnosis trap. So, mm-hmm. because there's probably always going to be something there to be seen under the skin um but because we all have those changes uh for the most part so the people that don't have those differences those are the abnormal people
0: Uh to me right
1: i worked with an athlete yeah i worked with an athlete that was uh mid-30s she was a pro athlete is a pro athlete um and had significant pain to the point where she hadn't been able to compete in quite a while um (laughs) and she had had images from her feet to her back and nothing was found, and I told her I was like that's that's the weirdest part because you're an athlete mid thirties who's put a large amount of demand on your tissues um and you know, like our bones change with load, our tendons change with load, our muscles change with load, um mm-hmm. and that's just how we adapt, you know, and so the fact that she didn't have any bony changes, blew my mind,
0: yeah, that's yeah." yeah huh then how did you approach that with her specifically (laughs) (laughs) uh she
1: this was a tricky uh process so um yeah uh we basically tried to grade her into her activities um graded exposure is the fancy term and it, it is um pretty incredible like what you can help people through with just going slow.
0: So it's same as psych psych, psychology does this, right. That's graduated exposure, um, as they're ready. Huh? Yeah. And that's like a good
1: bit of what we used psychologically was, you know, we had discussions about pain, um, and then slowly moved her into what she did. So, yeah. 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 So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of psychology that we use, um,
0: when working with somebody. Yeah. 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 It seems like a lot of psychology. It's never not. Yes. (laughs) Nope. Um, never not. It's interesting. Uh, the meniscus thing I could relate to, gosh, I got my knee scoped four times
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: still like, I don't know. The, the, this, I think the second or third time I was very young. I mean, seventeen with the third by the third one, and uh, I don't know. It's yeah, it's- yeah.
1: the meniscal surgeries. Um, they've they've done sham surgeries now, and they're no better. So yeah, yeah, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, greater than fifty percent of the population has meniscal changes. So they're, that's normal. Yeah, but it does definitely does not explain why your knee hurts. That makes sense.
0: Yeah, and they make claims like uh, they cleaned it up and stuff. Like, what is that? Oh yeah, they clean out. Yeah, yeah. Like, what does that yeah. mean exactly? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, yeah. I was so young at the time too, and sure. Um, that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. You can have, so there's a, uh, there's all kinds of meniscal tears. Um, the mm-hmm. one that might be the exception for surgical, uh, intervention is called a bucket, bucket handle tear. Um, mm-hmm. and it's where the meniscus will actually flip under a little bit. And, uh, but it doesn't, doesn't mean that it's always painful actually, which is weird, but your knee will lock, um, and not, you won't be able to extend your knee. So, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's when, uh, not, not only like it might be painful, but also you need your knee to straighten. So functionally, you know, it's, it's beneficial.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So what's next? Is there anything else to, that you'd like to put out there for folks about the book? I mean, I love this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? There's, it is.
1: um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating that we built a multi-billion dollar industry around, uh, false premise. Right. <laughs> so, right. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. not Yeah. Bob Dylan said it best. The times are a changing.
0: So. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> gosh, that's, that's true. Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. And so in your, if you were to, it had, on your rose glass lenses. Yeah. Like what would this how would you ideally how would we shift yep. this um I guess there's a lot of systemic problems with this um but mm-hmm. what in the ideal world if you could shift um you what know look like
1: people um realizing how changeable pain is uh and how we can work with it um hmm. i i tell people that it's a um an employee not an employer and we've kind of made it an employer in, in a lot of respects you know and so um yes. people realizing that they can change their pain through many ways many avenues uh would make a huge difference in our uh, society so hmm. yeah and i i know so many people that have been you know, their lives have been suspended uh, because of their back pain and other sorts of pain. Um, you know, and they think they associate, to, associate it to wear and tear and damage because uh, mm-hmm. they've been told, you know, that's wear and tear is why this has happened, but that's just not how we um, change. We adapt to things, you know? So yeah, if we could culturally um, have that mindset shift, it would be, uh profound yeah it, it,
0: it is an empowering message to know that there's other avenues you could take this in your own hands, you could seek out uh mm-hmm. some help with a a coach or a trainer that you mm-hmm. like know and trust um and yeah, so it's not all gloom and doom, and <laughs> it's no, it, you're not doomed right at all, yeah, yeah, it's the opposite it sounds and it- I feel like it's also a callback to like what's natural. Like I feel like like dogs totally. kind of have the right idea. I remember my dog I'm yeah. like oh, wait. My dog has a broken yeah. paw or whatever. Look at him go. He's still- yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you know that is a, a slippery bit with
1: this message is that this can turn into like um like paleo care pretty quickly, you know or something yeah. along those lines. <laughs> right. Um, right and it, and there's definitely more to it than that but mm-hmm. you're right in most respects like it is sort of naturally what we've leaned on throughout uh the history our history as humans so um yeah
0: good to seek out help when you really need it obviously and also know that yeah you've got options to take care of yourself yep. as well right Good. That's good that, yeah, good that you helped me reel that in. And that's actually a really good point That's <laughs> also bring up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's something I've uh I've thought about thought about more and more with getting this message out is this can quickly turn into, you know, nothing matters, um and another form of dangerous care. Uh right. And, and that is, I don't want to contribute to anything like that because I was a part of a system, like telling people, you know, they needed to be corrected. Uh I was a part of the problem for a long time and I don't want to be a part of another problem. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, so being careful not to, you know, that we end up at the other end of the spectrum. um, Yeah. uh, is important
0: to me. So, Uh yeah. It's good to, to realize that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Myself included, you know, it's funny talking through this does help. I feel, I feel like being in these conversations and a willingness to hear each other out, hear this side of the story is like, once you started unpacking it, I'm like, yes. Okay. I, you know, I, I'd see what you mean Uh here. And so it's, it's worth kind of putting down your barriers and what your previous thoughts are as hard as that is. I think that's a big part it's of this. Hard. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I commend you for doing this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We had to go through that same process because uh, like prehab was what we,
1: you know, originally started out with the notion of, you know, like if we could look at these uh, biomechanics and help people see them, prior to injury you know then mm-hmm. we could or pain experience then we could get interrupt that you know so we had to redefine our whole uh way so
0: mm. yeah and by i should have clarified earlier but biomechanics meaning like literally the mechanical aspects of a movement and uh the way we're moving and alignment mm-hmm. and, okay yeah. yeah yeah it's hard to uh to break something let something dissolve right there's something better to come forward but you got to feel like in this line of work you if you don't do that you're just being you're putting on the blinders to what's effective and um yeah it's called a knowledge shield a knowledge shields yeah
1: yeah Yeah, people put up their knowledge shield because they uh, can't adapt around new information so Mm.
0: yeah kind of what we brought up towards the beginning is like we get in our camps like you see this in the yoga world too hot yoga good hot yoga is bad like oh like maybe you know just depends on the individual (laughs) (laughs) right
1: yeah totally yeah so yeah
0: well kudos to you for
1: um you know listening to new information so
0: yeah yeah it's very helpful I, i learned a lot both yourself and Matt, um, great to talk to and, and really helpful and, and help in clarifying this topic. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to dig deeper into the book and where can folks find that, find you, where could folks, uh, pick up the book? Um, you can pick it, pick it up on Amazon,
1: uh, and you can pick it up at any bookseller, local bookseller. So this is, this is the actual book here. So, uh, is that you? Yeah. That is me. Nice. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> so here I'll, I can show you again if you like. So
0: okay. Pain yep. and performance: the revolutionary new way to use training as treatment for pain and injury. I love yep. it. Yep. So uh, and then you can find us at paragonathletics.com. So
1: if you wanted to read more uh, about my bio or whatever. So yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Sounds good. So okay. Bye bye. Thanks for tuning in. If you found my conversation with Ryan Witted to be helpful, informing, engaging, if it got you thinking, please give the podcast a like, give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and share it with everyone you know. You can find me at Yoga With Jake on all social media platforms and on my website, yogawithjake.com. Until next time, take care.